0: Keep your
1: children from hey Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's finally started taking guitar lessons. It's my sister Marissa.
0: And I'm going to meet my wife that way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Ted Danson had something really nice to say about that cameo, about Mary yeah. Steenburgen's cameo in an EW article that we'll get to. And I have a, uh, another little tidbit about his guitar playing as a as a sort of meta plot point as well, but we are back this week. Sorry for the break. Uh we just you know, everybody in Marissa's house is a Petri dish, so... I'm still sick. You can probably hear it in my voice. Yeah, so I should probably lead the... Well, we did most of the recap, all of the recap last time. Yes. I did get multiple... So so this is Welcome Back to The Good Play. We were off last week because of illness. We are back this week to talk... Uh, we're doing a part two of our recap and discussion of the Good Place finale. And I did get like a couple of my friends texting me being like, man, this, your finale episode's really hard to listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had someone in my <laughs> office who listens to me like, do you need
0: a hug? And I'm like, it's probably inappropriate for me to do that at work, but like, yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> so last time, I think we did a lot of crying. A, yes. because it was so fresh, and B, because. We were talking about the the characters who chose to go into the West, as Marissa likes to say. Yes. So that was uh, Chidi and Eleanor and Jason. And so we wanted to spend the bulk of this week talking about the characters who chose a different path or had a different opportunity presented to them, which would be uh, Janet and uh, Tahani and Michael. And so I don't think we're going to cry as much, although I can't guarantee because, (laughs) uh, you know, as
0: much would be a challenge.
1: (laughs) Before we get into it, a little housekeeping up top, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play and a good place. uh, Sorry, goodplay.cast.rocks. If you want to, you can rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can also follow and like us on Facebook there's a group called the Good Play where um, God bless all of our I was trying to think of another person to say uh, judge Jen bless all of our our, <laughs> our listeners who are posting reactions and posting theories and little tidbits Easter eggs they find uh, online to the Facebook group you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at the good play pod and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com and I do have some emails
0: for the awesome. end of today's episode.
1: Yeah. So I don't, we're not going to do another recap.
0: No, 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 no. Let's not put anybody through that
1: because it was, and and we did, we were able to cover everybody last week in the recap. Right. So if you want to listen to the two of us, um, breaking down, I was going to say like trying to get through a recap and mostly crying, then you can go back and listen to, um, the previous episode. And I think we're just going to sort of start in the discussion, in talking a, race. right? Talking about these characters. So, which character would you like to start with? Uh, probably Tahani is okay. the.
0: I mean, that's to my mind, the human is the easiest one yeah. to talk about. I yeah. guess. Yeah. So she, you know, so all of the characters have these like very full circle arcs, right? And so Tahani's full circle arc is that she goes from this lifetime of sort of pretending to be in service of others while really trying to, you know, toot her own horn to, you know, a situation where she truly is in service to others. And it's not, it doesn't seem to be a situation where she goes for eight hours to the architect factory and then comes back to her like real
1: afterlife. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, it did sort of seem the way Eleanor was talking that like, when she and Sheedy and were sort of having their conversation on the bridge there, Uh-oh. that Tahani, <laughs> sorry, that Tahani <laughs> is effectively gone from their sphere, like they can visit her, because as we see Eleanor visit later on to, um, to bring Mindy. As I neither live nor breathe. Right. But it does, given that reaction, like it does seem like they haven't seen each other in a really long time. Right. So I think
0: that she, by sort of adopting the non-human job, she's almost adopted the non-human, like, I don't want to say life because it's not a life, but but the way that they exist, which Mm -hmm. is that. I mean we have been, we have heard in sort of outtakes before that they don't have like lives outside of their work you know and they don't sleep right so i'm wondering if tahani is now just sort of like a 24/7 like just just working
1: yeah or that i mean we we hear like vicky's going to that whatever ice cold yoga class yeah
0: i think but i think that was more for the like punchline than anything
1: yeah maybe or it could just be that, like, it's almost like you are in, like, a live-work situation, mm-hmm. right? That if you are, if you adopt this, if you choose to become an architect, then you also, like, live with the architects in their, you know, in, in their neighborhood or in their quarters and... It's a little bit more of a, but it's certainly a shift for her. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like she's sort of coming back to her mansion at the end of the day and throwing parties for everyone. She's really dedicated no. to this.
0: And she and she was ready to walk through the door. I mean, she was finished with the afterlife as she knew it. So I really think that it's, it's almost like a complete transplant for her. And that's a really interesting sort of phenomenon.
1: Yeah, and it... I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it sort of sets you up for the idea that, like, maybe all the humans will find, like, their own little niche things where they can stick around together. But she is also effectively, I mean, so she's choosing a different path than the other cockroaches. And so she's effectively, you know, separating herself from them and knows that, like, if she were to venture back out into the neighborhood, like, they wouldn't be there anymore. So yeah, that's she, rough. Yeah, so she really is sort of not only giving herself over to this other existence, but also if she were to ever sort of venture back out, you know, she wouldn't necessarily recognize the people who were in her old neighborhood either. No, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I, but I do think it's a really, I, I really like what they did for her because. It is fitting to me, given where she started, but also given, like, the conversations that they had, uh, that she had with Eleanor uh, closer to the beginning of the season, about how she really wants to be not only in service of other people, but she wants to just be useful. Like, she wants her life to have practical meaning, because it didn't for such a long time. Mm -hmm. That the fact that she is dedicating the rest of her like she feels satisfied in what she was able to accomplish in the neighborhood she got closure with her parents she got closure with her sister um, and now she is really wants to be in service but also like wants to learn a practical skill and like work her way up which is something she's never had to do before
0: well she has learned practical skills she's that whole list of them.
1: <laughs> right 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 but work her way up from the bottom you know, in a in an establishment, you know, she's been the one to always say, like, you know, that's the joke about her is she's like, let me speak to your manager. You know, right. I want to speak to your manager. That's how they ended up going see, going to see Judge Jen So, I like that where she ends up is still is like really striving for something for the first time in her existence.
0: I mean, do we think that she does this until the end of infinity?
1: I don't know. I don't know because I think. You can probably get a lot of satisfaction out of... I mean, it is an altruistic thing in a weird way that she's doing, right? She's helping people improve. Right. And And she's also going to be removed. So I I think that,
0: you know, as weird as this is going to sound to say, like, the going through the door thing has become like a cultural thing in the human afterlife. The same way that any sort of number of transitions are cultural things for us in the living world, mm-hmm. whether that's death or moving away or getting a divorce or whatever. So, you know, we hear, I mean, you mentioned this in the last episode, you hear sort of like just cocktail party chatter, of like, oh, did you hear Shakespeare went through the door? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Tahani is now going to be in an environment where she's surrounded by non-humans. And so nobody even has the option to go through the door. So that possibility might sort of recede from her consciousness in a way that she just doesn't like it's no longer part I mean imagine if you somehow transcended the current plane of existence and nobody around you ever died or maybe nobody around you ever moved away or something like would it even occur to you to make that choice to do those things if it was a choice right so maybe surrounded as she is going to be for however long she stays there with architects and whatnot she may just it may just kind of never pop into her mind again to even want to go through the door
1: that's a good point i like to believe that she at least sticks around long enough to administer michael's test oh wouldn't that be great because he i don't i don't know if he would remember her but it would just be a nice thing for her oh sure he would he doesn't he didn't have his mind wiped no i guess that's true but I think it would be—I think it would be a nice. Maybe we get an epilogue like sometime next year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I, don't, I, think Mike, I don't think Mike sure is going to do that. But like, yeah, that would be lovely if she designed his test.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything to say about like her sort of experience with her parents or anything like that?
0: She kind of got the fantasy you know like so many abused kids have the fantasy that their parents have to make amends to them and she got the fantasy and like that's almost the most um sort of i don't want to say forbidden fruit but it's a really you know how a lot of parents uh who are divorced and have children like won't let their kids watch parent trap Because so many kids have the fantasy of getting their divorced parents back together, and they don't want to put that in their heads. Mm. This is almost like the adult (laughs) abuse survivor version of that. Like, if you were an adult survivor of of abuse by your parents, like, I would almost want a trigger warning on this. Because it's like too, it's like that, it's that, you know, it's like Tantalus, right? (laughs) the the fruit that's always out of reach like you you're never gonna get this right you're just never gonna get this uh but she gets it and i mean how amazing for her i mean like it's a lovely coda for her like really terrible family relationships in life
1: yeah i mean it's interesting i mean i under i totally understand why they didn't include anything about their parents sort of like rehabilitation through that process but you know we we did see a, a fair amount of their parents being terrible so like I almost wonder how long like at some point they we,
0: seem to have been there waiting for their parents for a long a time a very
1: long time and I think that is that makes a lot of sense to me we do see at one point that Brett still hasn't made it through the system yes
0: I loved that I loved that.
1: But yeah, I mean, I I do think it took a really, really, really long time for her parents to get through. And, you know, she and her sister were obviously very, very worried about it. So isn't that interesting? Like, I thought that was a really interesting note, too, that, like, even in the afterlife where she's accomplished so much and she has everything she's ever wanted, like, taken care of for her. She's still really worried she's got like a knot in her stomach about seeing her parents again because of how fraught their relationship was, and then they show up, and her you know their parents are like, "Oh my gosh, we're so sorry for everything that we've done to you and you know it's
0: a it's occurring to me that like so um as, as regular listeners know, you know, we're Jewish, which means that we don't understand other religions very well and we're constantly <laughs> saying wrong things about them. But I'm actually going to say something about Judaism for a change, which is that Judaism has this concept of like, for forgiveness, when you, when you, I'm going to say sin, even though it's not a really good translation of the, of the Hebrew words in question. But when you sin, you can kind of sin against God. So that might be like taking the Lord's name in vain or something. But you could also sin against people, and and the notion in Judaism is that God can't forgive you for a sin that you've committed against a person. Right. So if I uh, put a whoopee cushion on Brianna's chair, which how have I never done that? <laughs> That's really, it's really a lost opportunity. And you've done other you things. Know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you put those toothpicks in your carpet that one time. <laughs> that was. Ugh,
1: that was that, that was not an act of aggression. That was just a horrible accident. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's say that you're Brianna and you put toothpicks in your carpet and you injure your big sister's feet. That, like.
1: Not based Bri- on true events. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that Brianna can't ask God to forgive her for having done that to her poor older sister's feet. That she has to, has to ask her older sister for forgiveness who clearly for has thing. still
1: not forgiven
0: me for that. <laughs> so i'm not sure you ever asked so like so but here's my point that tahani's parents have in a sense by going through this rehabilitation program have in a sense almost made amends to and now i know there's no this is a godless universe but like have made their amends to god but they haven't actually made their amends to their children And the sins that they committed were sins against their children, right? I mean, to the rest of the world, they were successful philanthropists. You know, they didn't, they didn't obviously commit sins against people who were not their children. The people who needed to have those amends made to them were their own kids. And so it's really interesting to think about this, this system that they've set up where you are like purifying somebody's soul. You are teaching them the lessons of what they did wrong. But it does nothing for their actual victims. So, and I'm not saying that it's a bad system for that. What I'm saying is the trauma that Tahani and her sister went through is not at all lessened by their parents having gone through this system. So of course, when their parents make it through, you know, for the sisters, it's like a whole nother process of learning to trust and forgive them. And that's something that you know, can't be magicked away.
1: Right. And we had a lot of, that's a really good point. And we had a lot of questions about how the simulations work when they involve other people. Because when we saw Tahani's version of it, when she was the Guinea pig in that one episode recently, Mm -hmm. we had a lot of questions about like, well, how does that work? Because she's in the simulation. She knows her parents are dead. She has a different relationship with her sister now than she did when she first arrived, like when she first died. And so, pitting her against her sister after she's reconciled with her sister in real life doesn't really have the same effect. But her parents are there, but she knows her parents are already dead. So, we did have a lot of questions about the mechanics of that because I do wonder: like, did her parents go through simulations where they had to earn their simulated daughter's forgiveness i'm almost sure that that's what would be their tests right is to that's really interesting is to like treat their simulated daughters in a way that is loving and respectful and you know not pitting them against each other and not making tahani feel terrible about herself but to your point because you are right that like they didn't treat everybody terribly. They just treated their kids terribly.
0: As far as we know, as
1: far as we ever got to see now, I'm sure that they weren't like the nicest people to the (laughs) waitstaff, just given what I've seen of them. But but, like, I, I would be really interested to know like what the mechanics are of like, are they going through their simulated tests with their simulated daughters and so do they come out of that experience like feeling
0: like they have made amends when they like, actually haven't
1: right and that is sort of an interesting like we get to see a really lovely montage of the four of them having a lot of family time together but it does sort of seem like their parents are really lavishing them with gifts and attention because they are trying to like make it up to them but I sort of wonder like did they go through this and come out the other side kind of feeling like, well, some of that emotional work is already done because they've done their emotional work with, you know, pretend version, version. Right,
0: versions, right. Or of do their they, daughters. or do they sort of, when they decide that the tests are over, do they sort of pull the curtain back and say, look, these are actors. Your real daughters have been in the good place for 300 Jeremy Baramies they they've been apart from you for a long time they as far as you know to them they haven't seen you since you died and so therefore you have to go forth and kind of do this work all over again like is that just sort of part of the process it's sort of an intriguing thing to think about
1: yeah i don't know i don't know i think we had a lot of questions about that the other week and i don't think that they ever really got resolved we see a lot of people in the finale who have made it through the system but dress bitch is a good example of somebody who made it through the system but like is still kind of a dirt bag right yeah and she was a more quote-unquote harmless dirt bag although who really knows so it does seem to me like you kind of can get through the system without losing or you know without completely changing the core of who you are but it seems like Tahani's parents really did a lot of work to get to the point where they were and we also had this question last week of did they go through together?
0: Yes, I still want to know the answer to that.
1: Which we don't know, but I would assume because they arrive at Tahani's house together.
0: That's a little bit of an odd choice, I think, but who knows?
1: Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like and in it would make sense to me if they went through it together because Tahani's in, in A Fractured Inheritance, uh, she talks about how her parents were a unit, and they pitted yes. the two girls against each other. Yes. So it would make sense to me. But that also makes you wonder, like, about in real life, right? Like, if these parents didn't have each other to conspire with, like, if one of them was... They seemed both what, what, like, what terrible. If one of,
0: right. What if one of them had died when the girls were, like, eight and six or something?
1: Right. Or what if one of them had grown a conscience while they were on Earth? and said, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think we should be treating our kids like this. So it raises a lot of interesting questions, but it means, but I don't know that we're, I don't think we're going to get any of those answers, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah. And it means that Tahani, you know, for all of the unanswered questions that we do have, seems to, like you said, get this very satisfying ending with her parents that allows her to then... Go into this phase of her existence without that nagging at her anymore.
0: Right. She could never have gone anywhere before her parents made it through. I don't think. Yeah. It does make you wonder, like, how long does I mean, how, how long did it take for Camilla to get through, and how long does Camilla stick around? And you know,
1: I wonder I if Camilla's like doing concerts for people. Maybe. <laughs> why not? Yeah, I mean, she kind of had this exaggerated, wonderful life on Earth. So I wonder if paradise is even, like, that big of a deal for her.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, but she had the same fraught relationship with her parents that Tahani did. Just because you're the golden child. I mean, this is something that, like, so I read a lot of advice columns, which is, like... Me too! Not the best thing about me, I would say, but it's certainly a way that I spend my time. And something that comes up a ton in advice columns is... Okay, the set of parents has like the golden child and then the redheaded stepchild, so to speak, not actually a stepchild. And what advice columnists are always quick to point out, and it's often the redheaded stepchild writing in to be like, you know, I have this bad relationship with everybody in my family. And often an advice columnist is quick to point out that that familial structure hurts the golden child just as much as it hurts the non-golden child. Right that to be held up for your whole life as the exemplar and pitted against your sibling or siblings and have these like impossibly high expectations foisted upon you, et cetera, et cetera. Like is just as bad for somebody's psyche as the opposite. And so, you know, for Camilla, just because she was the favored kid, I'm sure that, you know, she had a great life in a lot of ways, but I'm sure that she had this very, I mean, if you think about how her life would have played out, Her parents are dead. She reunites with her sister, who then dies very shortly after. Mm -hmm. And then she has who knows how long of a life where she is, you know, she kind of has to live with the aftermath of that. And I'm sure that she, in a lot of ways, she had a great life. And in a lot of ways, she probably had a really tough life.
1: We had this conversation around uh, Nebula and Gamora, too, when we talked about um, (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy and um, Endgame or yeah, Infinity more. Whatever,
0: whichever was the spoilers for Marvel,
1: whichever was. <laughs> but, you and know, Thanos
0: the- kills Gamora and then there's a time traveling Gamora. It's very it's all fuzzy in my brain now. It's
1: very weird, but the I mean, the conversation around, you know, Gamora or Thanos kills Nebula. No. No. Thanos kills Gamora and there's a time traveling Nebula. Yes. And a time-traveling Gamora. You're right. Oh, my gosh. Just... <laughs> um, but Nebula and Gamora have, I think, in Guardians too, like, have it out with each other. Yes. And Nebula's like, you always had to win, and it was so painful for me, like, literally painful for her because Thanos would, like, rip her apart and put her back together. And Gamora's like, I was just trying to survive, man. Like, I, you know, we were kids, and I had to do what I had to do to, like, stay out of his like you know abusive well she couldn't stay out of it but it had to make the best of the really terrible situation and so yeah I mean I'm sure for for Camilla who was the Gamora of the situation (laughs) that she has you know she had her own stuff to deal with and I'd be interested to see what her tests look like as well yeah Uh, we should probably talk about our other two yeah
0: characters i guess michael is the easier one to tackle oh yeah i think so michael okay. gets to be a real boy yeah and he meets so do you want to say what what ted danson said in interviews
1: yeah so um i there's an ew article that came out where they did uh basically a what they called a quote-unquote ted talk with ted danson about the finale ah! it's an EW article called Ted Danson goes deep on the good place finale and that final line. And which is, as we all remember, he says, take it sleazy <laughs> to his neighbor.
0: If you thought by the way, that Ted Danson was going to spill any tea. No, 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 no. <laughs> you do not get this far in the biz with the reputation of being a super sweet guy by ever saying anything, even the slightest bit controversial.
1: Yeah, And so they, um, they asked him if it was the ending that he was expecting. And he said, I knew it for a while, but when I heard it, it just made me so happy. It was so perfect. Even in the, Because even in the beginning, you could tell that he, meaning Michael, was fascinated and just intrigued by humanity. And then he grew to love them. So it was a perfect ending to experience what it is to be human. And I loved that Mike asked my wife, Mary, to play the guitar teacher with the implication Oh, he will get to experience the most human thing of all, which is love. And I just found it, oh, I can tear up just thinking about it. I thought it was very sweet and perfect.
0: Oh, cuz we did get the impression. So, I mean like a few things first, like this it, it that that whole move was like super strong confirmation that his whole like collection of human things or whatever like that was not an affectation that he put on. As his, like, good place architect facade in the first season. Like, that was a real thing of his, which is interesting to think about in retrospect. Secondly, like, it's true that as an architect, like, or, you know, a demon or whatever you want to say, he had no interest in any sort of, like, physicality... (laughs) or whatever. Do you know what I
1: mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: He, like, could not have been less interested in, like, love and relationships, and I think that maybe, is it possible that, like, all demons are... No, they're not all asexual, right? But certainly Michael, the character of the demon was an asexual character. Yes. And that's, you know, there are people who are asexual, and that is great if that is what you are. But it's interesting to see him be turned into a human and for him to get what I would argue is sort of the more normative kind of thing, which is, okay, actually, you know, now he becomes a sexual being and a romantic. I mean, so he was, he was not only asexual, he was aromantic, right?
1: Um, he was cool with other people having romances, but yeah, there was, no, but he like, never had a love interest.
0: Right, but, but but you know, an aromantic person just is, is cool with other people doing that. It's right, just, right, right, right. Just not for themselves. So he becomes a human, and instead of being asexual and aromantic, he is now a sexual and romantic person, we assume. I mean, that's what Ted Danson is saying, and I think, you know, maybe the romantic angle of this is more important than the sexual angle of this. Maybe. So... And, again, like, if you are aromantic, like, God love you, Godspeed. But it is, like, a dimension of human relationship that is can be, like, fruitful and lovely and interesting. And it was completely unavailable to him as a demon. And now that he is a human, it seems to be available to him. And as someone who appeared to want to experience kind of, like, all the highs and lows of being a human... It's like really sweet to get him sort of into that mode if that's what he wants
1: I agree I agree and it also just seems so like what a lovely little cameo and it and it also oh, was well, such a, a sweet cameo and it has a nice so I listen I mentioned this at the top that there is sort of like a a reason why the thing he's doing is learning the guitar because I listen to the good place podcast after the finale. I, Well, you know i listen i gotta see if they have any good deets we can steal <laughs> and one of so mike sure was on and one of the things he was saying was that i think it was aristotle at some point cheaty is talking about i think it's aristotle who says that being good is you have to practice it like playing the flute mm. and so so aristotle had flutes I, I don't remember if it was Aristotle, but somebody some old somebody that old like, crusty Greek. Some Chipotle who, who was it? What? Remember when she calls she's she says she's learning uh, Eleanor's learning from Chidi about Aristotle and she said, Oh, I was pronouncing it like Chipotle, like Aristotle. And <laughs> she goes, remember. Wait That's a funny. second, is it Chipitottle? <laughs> Do you remember, <laughs> I remember that? I forgot that. That was funny. Anyway. So one of them, one of these old, ancient We're, dudes, yeah. says um, that playing or that learning to be good, you have to practice it just like playing the flute, and you get. I mean, better. I guess they
0: had pan flutes, I right? Guess so yeah,
1: like a, like a satyr,
0: satyr, yeah. whatever.
1: And so I just
0: realized how many words I don't know how to pronounce.
1: <laughs> and so they thought on the show it would be a little weird if Michael was learning to play the flute. Yeah. But because they had already. Planted the idea that he's been writing embarrassing song lyrics. <laughs> Earlier in the show, they thought his version of learning to be better would be learning to play the guitar. And so Aww. the whole time he's in the afterlife, you know, he when he's the main, you know, when he's running the show, he's trying and trying to trying to learn the chords, and he can't do it. And he's writing these like hilarious, groovy purple wave sunbeam
0: mangoes, right? In the... Dulcimer sky.
1: <laughs> right. Whereas all he really needed to do was get a teacher. And I thought one of the interesting things was Janet offers to like, kind of matrix, magic him
0: a guitar, right? Yeah.
1: Like matrix style upload all the information to him about how to play the guitar. And he says, no. no, is that was she, I
0: thought she offered to get him a magic guitar that would just always play the chord that he wanted.
1: Oh, I thought it was more like, I can just give you this knowledge, but maybe mm. you're right. But either way, like, she offers him a cheat code and he says, no, I don't want it. And so then when he ends up on Earth, it's, like, kind of a a mark that he is, like, learning to be better and learning to ask for help, right? And that's the whole vibe of the series is that, like, you don't improve on your own. No matter what it is, you're playing right. guitar or you're, like, learning to be just a better human being. You can't do that on your own. So what do we think... Michael,
0: so Michael's going to have a life, it's probably not going to be a very long life, because he seems to have manifested at the age that Michael appears to be, right? He's, he's not going to have dancing in his 70s, something like that. He's not going to have 90 years, you know, to be a human. But that's okay. Maybe he just wanted a taste of it. Maybe.
1: Yeah, he's 72. Right. So,
0: right. So he's going to have a little life and that's nice. And then he's going to die and he's going to have to go through the testing place. And then... what? <laughs> like, seriously, and then what?
1: <laughs> um, All
0: of his friends are either passed through the door or, you know, Tahani is you know, working full time in this afterlife job. Uh, Except for Janet, I suppose. I suppose he can hang out with Janet for as long as he cares to do so. But do we, I mean, I think like, my question is, how long do we really think that Michael is going to stay in the afterlife?
1: Well, I would say that depends on how his human life goes, right? Because Hmm. if he really makes meaningful connections with people on Earth as a human, those people also will die, go through the system, come out the other side, and he will basically get a second life with them again, right? Like, let's say that this thing with Mary Steenburgen's cameo guitar teacher character is not just a flirtation, but like, let's say they, you know, strike up a, a romance and they spend their twilight years together. And you know,
0: dear Ted Danson, we think you're in your twilight years. No,
1: but like, look, he's seventy-two. So what's you know, the next twenty years. Yeah. right like that's still a significant chunk of time yeah and so he could you know kind of go through the whole process and come out and then have Mary Steenburgen's character with him in the afterlife for a while and they could get to experience that the other thing that eleanor says to him or was it eleanor
0: somebody I, says I, I, you have to say what it is before i can I
1: think it I think it was eleanor that they don't know if that system is still going to be enacted by the time he She says that, and it's obviously
0: absurd. I would argue, like that she's just trying to warn him from that. This is a it's technically a risk, but it's really not a risk.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if in twenty Earth years they decided to abandon the whole thing. Right, but I would say, yeah. So, like, assuming that everything stays the way it is, like he seemed to in that in that sort of montage that we get of him. You know, there's that one part. I mean, he's alone a lot of the time. You know, he's he's uh, with Making his a dog, hungry Jason, man
0: dinner, and all that stuff. Right, yeah. right.
1: But he is. You do get that one shot of him like comforting that guy at the bar. And yeah, saying, so that was.
0: I think he says in the interview that that's meant to be his boss or coworker at his job.
1: Yeah. So, which also, like, he's 72. I would assume he's retired, but <laughs> whatever.
0: But if you want to experience the full spectrum of humanity.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, like, if he's making meaningful connection, meaningful enough connections to, for that guy to share with him that, you know, he says to him at the bar, like, it's she's going to be okay. There are really good hospitals here. Yeah. Which I thought was really poignant and kind of heartbreaking because... Like, Michael also knows what's going on in the afterlife.
0: Right. She's also going to be okay even after she dies. Right.
1: And, you know, so so if he has that close enough of a relationship with somebody to comfort them in that way and to be let in in that way, then, like, you know, he might have those relationships carry on for years and then want to spend more time with them i don't know yeah i mean
0: i guess i i can't shake the feeling that once he dies and goes to the testing place and goes to the good place that he kind of won't be able to help himself i don't know i'm I'm not gonna say he's gonna reassume the mantle of being the guy running the good place i don't think that that's even possible but that once he kind of gets back to that afterlife where he spent Literally, like millennia and millennia, like he, it's not as if he got sent to Earth mind wiped. He didn't get sent to Earth as a baby, you know. It's very much just him getting to do this human thing for a, a period of time, and, and it kind of feels to me like when he gets to the afterlife, he's going to be back in his, you know, just kind of back on his bullshit. <laughs> which, which maybe that's maybe that's not fair to you know what the creators are intending. But it's really hard. I mean, it's like uh, it's like undercover boss or something, right? It's like you, you get you go back to the place you came from, and he's still going to, you know, he's going to get to the afterlife, and he's going to know everything already. You know what I mean? Like, there's not going to be that like wide-eyed discovery phase of like, oh my goodness, anything I want, I can, I can do, I can see anybody who's ever li-. like. It's just like, uh, yeah, like I spent all of human existence here. <laughs> like, I know all the tips and tricks, all the ins and outs. I know where all the bodies are buried, so to speak. Like, I know all the, like, I know the whole history of how this place came into being. I know everybody who's running the place. I could, like, call on any of them at any moment. It's just, it's a little bit like, I you know, it's almost like going to a theme park after you've worked there or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I mean, you can go in the front, and haunted mansion look looks really scary and cool. But like, if you've seen it with all the lights on, then like, it, is riding the ride really the same?
1: It's just a bunch of janky animatrons.
0: <laughs> it's not uh, even animatronics. Are you kidding me? Haunted mansion? It's just like holograms and 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 like cheap, cheap, cheap uh optical illusions. Anyway, I could talk about Disney World for a really long time, but like, but I I think it was a, I think it's a, it's an apt analogy, I think, which is that like, once you have seen behind the curtain, I mean, it's like what Cuba Gooding Jr. says in uh, Jerry Maguire, right? Like, she's, she's, she's seen the the strings. She's been to the puppet show. She's seen the strings. And that's how I kind of feel about Michael, that like, the afterlife for him is old hat. I almost kind of think he's going to go to the afterlife. Now, look, if he, has this relationship with Mary Steenburgen, I assume that he's going to kind of do the Eleanor thing and he's going to stick around as long as she sticks around. So if she is like, oh my goodness, look at this amazing place, and she wants to stay for however many baremies, he will stay with her, I assume. And then I think as soon as she decides to walk through the door, he's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. like Because what is there new for him to discover in the afterlife?
1: Yeah, not much. I mean, his... his... Discovery period is his time on Earth.
0: Exactly, exactly. The 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 afterlife that so that so many people are now getting to experience is basically this short time that he gets on Earth is his reward for having been a good demon, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) an an absurdly good demon, and and so and the I don't I just don't see the afterlife as any sort of reward for him. All like. With the exception of, as you said, you know, he makes these human connections on Earth, and he gets to maintain those into the afterlife. But absent that, I just don't see how the afterlife holds any charm for him at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it was tough for him to let go of it, too, until he was told that he was going to be getting this sort of special dispensation to turn into a human and, like be on Earth, right? Like, What do you mean w- it was hard? He was trying to walk through the door with Eleanor. He was trying to pop through it and pretend
0: that he was disappearing.
1: I guess that's true. Oh, I'm trying to send my damn essence into the damn universe or whatever yes, he says exactly. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he sort of had gotten to no a point where he was like, and I'm out.
0: Well, I mean, he, Jason had left, Tahani was going, Chidi had left, and Eleanor was trying to leave. And I think for Michael... You know, those are the only relationships he's ever had in his whole existence except for Janet, which we'll get right. to. And yeah. so, you know, for him it was sort of like, well, what's the point anymore?
1: Right. And and like we said, the his version of the afterlife is is going to be on earth and then I think it make it would make sense if like you said he sort of stuck around for as long as his sort of new relationships stick around in the afterlife. But yeah, I mean, and, or unless he can do what Tahani did, but I don't think he would want to do that.
0: Uh, no, I don't think so either.
1: Because he's been there, done that, right? Again, like he yeah, again, originated puppet show, strings. Thing. Right. And so for him, it's not going to be like, oh, let me work my way up in this new system. It's going to be like, I created this system. <laughs> like, right. You know, I was training all of you. And so now, yeah.
0: I also think there's a very real phenomenon of when there's, like, an extremely intense experience that only a very small number of people go through, that, like, those people are bonded in a way that nobody can ever kind of take their place. right? Uh, and this is certainly a theme in some literature, but, like, the idea that Michael could just kind of hang around and make friends with new, like, architects or something is just like, no, man, like, you weren't there. You didn't go through. I mean, think of all the things they went through Just thinking of the time that, like, Michael got put in that room with the stack of New Yorkers, a.k.a. my dream (laughs) vacation. (laughs) You know, when he gave Eleanor the pin and sent her through the portal without him. Like, so much that he went through that, like, nobody else in existence understands. And the only people who understand are, like, one by one self-selecting to return their damn essence to the damn universe.
1: Right, right. It's like the hobbits going back to the Shire. It's like Sam yes. going back to the Shire.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, it, that's a tough... But, you know, as we know... I, I think I'm glad that this ended... That this sort of... His arc ended where it did because we get to see him have that reward. and And, you know, the rest is sort of... He says, like... I don't know what's coming next. That's the that's the point of it all. That's the point of being human. Is like you don't know. You're not guaranteed what happens to you. Later. Which is
0: interest. It's an interesting claim to make because in the good place, it is guaranteed what happens to you next. And maybe that's kind of why you can't do it for eternity. Right. Uh, so I guess we have to talk about Janet, who to my mind is kind of the saddest case of the
1: three of them. Why do you think that? Because she doesn't
0: have a choice. She she just is going to exist for all of existence, however long existence lasts. She She's going to be the one there at the end of it all to kind of turn off the lights the way that, you know, you and I have both read the Sandman comics. The way that in Sandman, death is the one who has to be there at the end of uh, existence to turn off the lights. Like, to my mind, that so, and maybe she being such a very different being from the rest of us. Maybe she doesn't experience this as sad, but for me, it, it's just a profoundly sad thought that everybody she ever has any sort of relationship with will eventually leave her mm. and she is going to be the last one standing. I mean, maybe with the other Janets, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's get She's g But you know, aside from the other Janets, she's going to be the last one standing and there's something profoundly sad about that to me, Like that, that you are, it is a burden, as far as I'm concerned, that you are the one who has to be the last one at the party.
1: Right. I mean, she d- does say to Jason that she doesn't experience time the same way that they do. That's true. So when she thinks about him, she is, its she's not thinking of a memory, she is, sort of reliving it. Right. And so and and you remarked last week that she doesn't have a moment with Jason where she begs him to stay. Right. She completely understands that it's his time to go. She completely, you know, when he when she he pops up in the woods and is like, "Hey, not a girl?" Like she's surprised for a moment, but she doesn't then say like, "Well, if you've been here this whole time, you can just come back or whatever. You don't need to go, etc." Like, she is sort of, you know, I think she has feelings about him not being around, but she doesn't ever grapple with it the same way that Eleanor had to grapple with Chidi leaving. Right. So
0: it's worth saying that, like, human memory is the same. When when you are remembering something, you are sort of re-experiencing it in a way. Like, that's how human memory works, like, episodic memory, memory of things that have happened to you. You are sort of, like, your brain is reliving it in a sense, but because... The storage medium is so bad <laughs> like, because brains store these things so badly. Now, Brianna is an exception here. Brianna has an ex- has a really amazing memory. but I do. For most of us, we remember things. And, and what actually ends up happening is that while you're reliving it in your mind, you are rewriting parts of it. So by the time you have thought about this memory for the hundredth time – it doesn't actually resemble the thing that you experience in the first place and it's actually kind of a sad commentary on like the transience of life but janet being a let's call her a robot for lack of a better term um janet being a robot means that she is writing all of her memories you know to some sort of you know, electronic medium or something.
1: Right. Crystal clear. Everything is crystal clear. Right, exactly. Everything is captured,
0: you know, perfectly. And so for her, because it is this perfect representation of the thing that actually happened, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that when she calls up this experience, I mean, it very much is for her, like, reliving it. And our it would be the same way for us if we had that level of recall. And there are some people who do, I and mean, they're very, they're very rare, but.
1: Well, and oftentimes it's something that we try to like, we, if in certain circumstances have to train ourselves out of, like if you're thinking about.
0: Yes. Like anxiety. Yeah. Right.
1: Anxiety. Or if you're looking at it through like a trauma lens. Yes. Like mm-hmm. Trauma is your body's or like your body's response to something terrible happening is like, you can't you you have to seriously work on being able to remember the incident without reliving it because your body will start to react as if the threat is like in the room with you and it's yes. happening again right and so for a lot of people it is you train yourself out of completely reliving something and that is also a very human experience like nothing you know Janet doesn't experience the same threats or whatever that I mean she was a human or she was not a I don't was she a human when they were No, she was
0: not she was not
1: but she just didn't have her powers right Uh, oh right so Janet doesn't experience sort of she doesn't have also that human experience of she experiences some human things like she's goes through kind of heartbreak when she loses Jason but she never fully understands it and she's always coming to like the more human side of things the more human side of her own feelings as she reboots and reboots, like it's, it's all a novel experience to her. And, you know, she doesn't, ex- she also doesn't express any desire to be human. I think that's a, a, what separates in, in one sense, like what separates her from Michael is that like, Michael really wants to be like humans. He, he is sort of, you know, in that one episode, kind of ashamed of his demon form. And he doesn't want his friends to see him like that. And Janet, is very much like, I'm not a girl. I am not a human being. I'm also not a robot. Like, she, she, she never reckons with her, her identity the way that Michael does because I don't, you know, she doesn't feel ashamed about it. She doesn't really have anything she has to sort of feel bad about. I think Michael has a lot that he learns to feel bad about. I but, will just say
0: one thing though. Unless what? you, sorry, did you want to no, finish no. up?
1: Um, huh? Even having
0: perfect recall, even, you know, uh, even allegedly not experiencing time the way that we do, there is still a difference between my time with this person is over and I will never see them again, and the opposite. Like, there is still, even if you could perfectly remember somebody that you had lost and call up a memory of that person and relive it at any time, you know, with no loss of fidelity and you could feel like you were back in that moment. Like in some sense, you, you know, that, that wears a little thin, I think, because there is still now look, Jason was not the most intellectual guy,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I don't know how much they had in the way of deep conversation Certainly, but he was that, certainly very
1: warm with her.
0: Yeah, he was. You know, maybe it felt like all the warmth that she needed was he had given to her. But, like, certainly when I think about, um, you know, what would I miss? So let's say that I could have a perfect recall, uh, relive every moment I'd had with somebody, but they were lost to me. Like, and what would I miss? It's like, well, I would miss like, you know, I'm going to continue moving forward in time and experiencing things. And I want to like run it past that person. Right. <laughs> like, right. I still want to talk through, like, I'm having this feeling. I'm having this opinion. I, I don't understand this thing. And like, what's your take on it? And how can you, you know, how can you explain it to me? Or or what do you feel about it? Or are my feelings on this valid? Like that the, having somebody as a sounding board You know, it's funny because it's like, I I think that that's the thing that I would feel the most bereft of. That, like, you know, you're talking about a person who maybe you, uh, so let's just say it's like a romantic partner.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, after a certain, I'm going to be very PG here, but after a certain amount of time, like, you've kind of had the physical experiences with them that you're going to have, and... It doesn't mean that it's less pleasurable to have physical experiences with them after a point, but if you could perfectly relive past physical experiences, then you might be kind of set on that front. Uh, I would argue <laughs> uh and you no know all t- would you say I said no comment on that <laughs> yeah okay, and like okay, you held hands with them, okay, you. You were looking up at the night sky. Okay. You went to Paris, right? But again, those are things like, okay, you go to Paris. You can, if you could relive that perfectly, then okay, fine. But like the human, the mind to mind connection that you have with another, another human being, like that you can't replicate that. And like, what does it matter if you and I talked about this Marvel movie, I need to talk to you about a different Marvel movie. Like, <laughs> the fact that I can relive the conver- and I can literally relive the conversation I've had with you about some Marvel movies, because we've recorded them and put them on the internet, yes. and I have done this, right? <laughs> yes. But just because I can relive the conversation I had with you about frickin' Infinity War, what if they come out with multi War? <laughs> Next year, and you've gone into the West, and it's like, well, who am I going to talk about that with? Like, that's the thing that, like, Janet says, I don't experience that And that's why, for me, it's so hard to watch her kind of be the one who gets left behind because she had all these experiences with these people, and they're going to all be gone at some point. and And so for her, if she ever wants to have the conversation of like, wow, it's really hard for me to watch the world ending because I remember when we were all together and this really traumatic thing happened and we thought it was going to be over, but then we pulled it out. But now look at this. And like, there's nobody for her to have that conversation with. And it's like, I don't think that, I don't think the fact that she can relive her experiences, like softens that blow at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it does remind me of, Oh man. I mean, But in a way, like, that is a very human experience because, you know, we all have people who we don't have access to anymore, whether it's because they've passed away or because we're estranged or any number of things. And and so you become kind of like the guardian of those memories, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if, you know, if I'm not around to remember you, then do you disappear,
0: Yes. I mean that's again that's a that's a Jewish sort of way of looking at it, right? That, yeah, like, that is very true. In Judaism, in modern Judaism that is not particularly observant, I will say, uh because there certainly is an afterlife belief in more uh, observant versions of Judaism, but for most like modern American Jews anyway, like, there isn't this concept of the afterlife, and you do kind of have this thing of like, well, people live on inside the people who loved them while they were here. Right. And so, and, and so, Jan- you know, Janet is going to be the repository of these people who, I mean, to say that the six of them together changed the world is kind of understating it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they completely revolutionized all of existence for the only sentient beings that we are aware of. All of them. All right. the sentient beings that we are aware of had their existences completely turned on their head because of the six of them. And like, yeah, I mean, as 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 time marches forward, our Janet is the only one who really kind of is the repository for that. And that just really bums me out.
1: Yeah, I can totally see that. And interestingly, like, she doesn't have she doesn't worry about Jason or she's very calm about Jason. But when she has to say goodbye to Michael, she starts oh, yeah. freaking out. Yeah. I mean, that was really hard to watch. That was really, really hard to watch of, you know, she walks him to the door and then she starts kind of doing the Jewish mother thing of like, you know, remember to you have to make a doctor's appointment because you have blood now. Yes. Like all these things of like, don't do this and be careful of that. And oh, my gosh, you know, she's never had to. Worry about him in this way, and you know, that is probably her most like human moment, I think, of realizing what it is to like have somebody in your life that you care about and you're really invested in how things you know, how this person is doing, but you know that you can't control what happens to them. Like, I think she, for the first time, is reckoning with the fact that like Michael's gonna walk through the door without her she's not going to be there to like fix anything for him she's not going to be there to help him out the last time they went to earth together or the last time they went to earth they went to earth together right and even though she was without her powers in some respects they were still a team and she still had the majority of her knowledge It just stopped updating when they stepped onto earth and so they've and they've really been one of my favorite episodes of the whole series is is the episode Janet and Michael, when she's glitching Mm. and he says, she's like, you have to reboot me. And then he says, I can't, the reason is friends. Right. (laughs) Like, and you really do see that like, they were there together at the beginning. And again, she is there at the end by herself and she has to let him go. And I think that was even tougher for me than her saying goodbye to Jason.
0: Yes. Can I talk a little bit about um, this Atlantic article? Yeah, totally. So it's by someone named Spencer Kornhaber, uh, which I think is German for a, a haver of corn. <laughs> and it is called The Good Place Felt Bad in the End, which uh, I really disagree with. I disagree with you, Kornhaber. <laughs> so I his point was that The Good Place has always been metaphorical for uh, our life on Earth, which is true enough, right? You know, all the stuff about improving in the afterlife really is supposed to translate into us improving our lives in real life, right? But he says that uh, the fact that all this, that this door exists and that all of our characters choose to go through the door, almost all of our characters choose to go through the door, you know, basically is making a case for suicide? Uh,
1: no, um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My very visceral reaction to that
0: it was devastating a stone sat in my stomach for hours afterwards and i had a hard time figuring out why probably it was from watching people appear to kill themselves drawing from some of the most profound teaching of religions around the world the show made a soothing seductive and thankfully shaky case for death the show has always operated at the level of metaphor and here the real world behavior being riffed upon real world behavior that is increasing and in some cases contagious was very clear i.e. suicide Oh yeah, some viewers were shaken. I was most struck by a teen on Twitter expressing that the show seemed to validate their suicidal feelings, dreading what comes after high school graduation. The teen wished for an annihilation portal to walk through. Okay. <sighs> okay.
1: Ooh, uh, all right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that it's not a fun read. It's very long. It's not a fun read. Yeah. Uh, I really don't like this take one bit.
1: <laughs> Neither do I. Neither there do I. Is, there
0: is a world of difference between the, the circumstances that leads to somebody's suicide on earth. And there's certainly a variety of things, right? Sometimes it is as simple as somebody who has a terminal illness and is reaching the end of their life. And I think almost everybody, with the exception of some, you know, real hardcore Catholics maybe, would agree that in that circumstance, the compassionate thing to do is to you know, help this person and their life.
1: Well, I was actually going to, I mean, finish your thought, but I'll put a pin in that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, there's a, there's a huge difference between the, the, the set of circumstances that lead up to a suicide and the set of circumstances in this imaginary afterlife television comedy <laughs> that l- lead someone to feel that they have sort of fulfilled everything that they're going to fulfill in this infinite, Paradise, and that they can now become one with the universe, right? Which is, you know, and, and it's not a concept that's unfamiliar to a lot of religions, right? I mean, there is, um, oh god, which Eastern religion is it? I'm gonna just make an ass of myself here, but like, there are certain, there are certainly religions where reincarnation is what happens to you until you kind of achieve some sort of state of, like, um, enlightenment. And then you kind of be like, it, it's not that you go to heaven, quote unquote. It's like that you be, you become one with the universe, that you kind of cease to be in the way that you are. And would you, would somebody say that that is a reason to commit suicide? That's sort of an inducement to suicide. Like, I don't know. It just seems to me to be such like it's so it's such a Western way of looking at this. I don't know. What were you gonna say?
1: Um, I was actually going to say that it felt much more to me like compassionate end of life care than it did like the majority of what we think of as suicide, right? It felt much more to me like I'm in my right mind. I'm making this decision because I've, I've reached the end of my life and I need to go. I want to go. Those are different things than I think what you're saying about like the circumstances or the state of mind that people are in when they take their own lives.
0: Right. So taking compassionate care out of the equation. Right. Things like I'm in debt and I can't afford to pay off any more debt or, you know, I can't, you know, I'm in pain all the time or whatever. Like those are all, those are such a world away. And it's like, to my mind, substance
1: abuse problems, you have, yeah, all kinds of things, yeah.
0: To my mind, if you're going to make a show where, look, this afterlife is about as good as it gets if you're going to have an atheistic worldview, right? Like, you have an infinite paradise where you can do whatever you want for however long as you want, and it's great, like, why would you not argue that that's the inducement to suicide? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, just kill yourself, and you get to... You know, go through some tests and then you get to forever be in a paradise where you get to go to Hogwarts if you want. Like, yeah. wh- why would you make the case that the sort of almost Eastern idea of becoming one with the universe when you are already like a non-corporeal being, why is that the thing that makes you think that this is glorifying suicide versus like the entire idea of an afterlife in the first place?
1: Right. That's a really good point. Oh. I mean, and and interestingly, we talked a little bit about this offline, but interestingly, like, nobody that we see on the show, and I think rightfully so, because I I think this is such a delicate subject, but nobody that we see on the show, or I should say, everyone we see on the show dies from an accident. Like, everybody, all the cockroaches die in accidents. You know, nobody has um, a long protracted illness, but also no one... No character we meet who we know what caused their death committed suicide. Right. So the show is also, I think, probably, I wonder if they had conversations about it. At, I'm sure they did at some point.
0: They must have because, honestly, if you have young people who are dead, probably suicide is one of the more common ways that they would die.
1: Right. And so I'm sure they spoke about it. I'd be fascinated to know about what the content of those conversations were, but they never show anybody who has killed themselves, who then comes out the other side and gets to live in this afterlife, right? I mean, I'm sure in the in the grand history of, of people in the afterlife, I'm sure that there are people who... That is the case for them, but we never get a named character whose arc that we care about who has gone through that. And I think that's significant Mm -hmm. because I think that in and of itself is kind of, they're kind of saying like, we're not touching that. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Just like like they would
0: never touch, just like they would never touch kids being dead. Right.
1: And they also, not for nothing, like they never even touched terminal illness, right? Like... Mm. Well, except Jason's mom, we get a one line about how she died of cancer. But we never see her, which I kind of wanted. I wanted to meet Jason's mom. I wanted that, too. But, like, we don't – I'm assuming Pillboy died from, like, pills. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't know how daddy died. I don't know. He kind
0: of had turned his life around, remember, and it was helping old
1: people? That's true. He was helping old people get, like, a slight – high though like a, oh like yeah a nice I, I, high. I forgot i forgot about that <laughs> yeah he wasn't doing crimes but maybe he just you know like he and gladys took a trip you know and then <laughs> and
0: gladys yeah. was not fit to drive <laughs> right
1: but like we never hear of anybody on the show who even like goes through a terminal illness and so I mean, I think part of that is like it's just a cartoony. Like everybody dies in these incredibly like cartoonish ways that we know about. But I think the fact I think you're you're correct in sort of aligning it with the decision never to show kids is like you know that's talking about how to treat people who've committed suicide uh, in the afterlife is such a. I mean, you could have a whole show just about that. Like you could have like a. Isn't whole, that- show about that dead like me or something i never. i haven't seen it yeah okay dead dead to me is no no No. no. this is an an
0: older show about it's like about people who become angels of death when they die because maybe because they commit suicide i'm not sure
1: Mm. i mean and look of all the shows that you're gonna say like glorifies suicide or or like encourages people to commit suicide I don't think the good place I mean there are shows that I think that's true of um, but I don't think that the good place is one of them it felt like an
0: absurd borderline irresponsible claim it's in the Atlantic this is not like on medium right if it's on medium (laughs) I'm ignoring it (laughs) isn't it it's in the Atlantic, which is a, like a very respectable publication. And I'm like, why are you doing this?
1: <laughs> right. I mean. Is this because you need a hot take? I think it is. And look, like, this is not to uh, trivialize anybody who has suicidal thoughts. But I think if you're, if you're taking the word of like a teenager on Twitter, just being like, I wish I had a door to walk through so I didn't have to take my finals. Like, that's a a different kind of... I don't know, that feels different to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I didn't like fall I don't know if he linked that tweet I didn't follow yeah. it if he did. But yeah, certainly I can totally see somebody being flip about that and not saying that not meaning it in a real way.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. And I think I I do want to say and I guess we should put we should have put like a trigger warning at the beginning of this piece of the conversation. But I I do want to say that I have had experiences. I have lost someone very dear to me to suicide. And so that's not something I I take lightly. And Marissa has, by extension, also, because you, you knew this person, too. right? And so this is not a topic that we don't know anything about or that we take lightly or anything like that. And it is something that, you know, I was really, as I was watching this whole show but at specifically the last few episodes I was really thinking about that person and I was thinking about you know what he might have been thinking what he might have been going through and and you know the sort of hope that there I mean we we talk about this a lot we don't believe in a real afterlife but there's a part of me that wants to believe that there is because of, of that experience in my life and, and because it is sort of comforting to believe that people who you lose in whatever circumstances are comfortable and at peace. And so I do, I don't, you know, we've been through the survivor's end of, of that ordeal. And as someone who's been through that, I don't look at this show and think, oh, it's glorifying suicide at all. I think it's a very 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 different set of circumstances as you said at the beginning of this conversation. I think it's a very different set of circumstances to say I feel calm, I'm totally in my right mind, I'm going to make this decision because I've done everything there is to do versus somebody who feels that there's no other way out than this. Right.
0: And I, also I like think... se- secrecy is a major part usually of people so again we're we're leaving compassionate care sort of out of the equation. But with really traumatic suicides, usually it is, you know, an act of great secrecy that that people feel the need to hide from everybody around them. And this is just the opposite. It's like, I'm right. gathering everybody together. I'm having a goodbye party for myself, you know, and everybody kind of accepts it as like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if, if we were immortal on Earth, I imagine it would kind of be the same thing. Like, no, yeah. probably people are not going to necessarily want to live forever. And when when they felt it was their time to go, they would kind of have a party about it. And it wouldn't be this sort of thing where you're mentally ill and you're hiding it, uh, you know, and you're trying to keep everybody around you from figuring out what you're trying to do. It's just the opposite.
1: Yeah. And I also, I I do think that that, that's a really good, like, point to make is that, you know, we also don't, I, I don't think this author is really taking into consideration the fact that, like, we don't know what eternity feels like. No, like, that's humans the thing will that we never keeps ever know that.
0: Coming up right, so I mean people who believe in an afterlife would disagree with you about that, but even 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 religions that believe in an afterlife do not believe that our exact selves get transposed into that afterlife with no uh modifications the way that this show has proposed. Right. So like I I think you and I have said this over and over again that like we are, are like our little minds are not equipped to handle eternity. <laughs> Like, we just can't fathom it. And so everybody who's going, you know, this this writer is certainly one of a small chorus of people kind of being vocally pissed off about the fact that this door sort of scatters your flakes of soul into the ether. And, like, how could you ever get bored? You know, there'd always be new people and new things to do. It's like, yeah, I think that there's a capacity issue yeah. that human beings only have so much capacity to learn new things i mean look can we all be real for a second if you're above the age of 25 when was the last time you like really sought out like a new album from a new artist <laughs> okay i'm not saying it never happens i'm saying that you have a critical period of enjoying music and then everything from the rest of your life out is like let me go check out that hot album from 1998 that i used <laughs> to listen to at the at the middle school dance like right The human mind does not have the ability to, like, infinitely expand. And, and, like, it would also be kind of upsetting to be in that afterlife for however many hundreds of Jeremy Baramys and then be like, because they don't have perfect recall. They are just human. And to be like, oh, I forget. Like, I had a whole life on Earth that I have largely forgotten. I had a whole. Yeah, that's true. I had a whole initial act. Maybe the first hundred Jeremy Baramys, I did a bunch of stuff that I, I forget what I've done now, like, that's not, and you don't have the people around you to remind you. Like Brianna is my reminder. Yeah, <laughs> I true. also I have a very dear friend of one of my oldest friends named Jessica, who is like my, uh, my secondary reminder, <laughs> <laughs> like things I did when I was a kid. And it's like, it's not great to forget things that you've done as a kid. Uh It's a little bit unmooring. And can just, can you imagine being qu- sort of adrift in this world where you don't, really have any, there's no ties to a place because there are no real places and you're just kind of free-floating in this universe. And how could you ever really remember the things that you did hundreds and hundreds of Jeremy Baramies ago? Like, the human mind can't handle it. I think that I think, you know, Mike Sure is ultimately correct that, like, assuming an afterlife where you are unchanged when you go into it, like, you can't be there forever. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, and... I I do think that there is like the sort of the point of the show or one of the points of the show and the point of Michael learning what it is to be human and the point of sort of bringing all of those pieces together into the finale is to say that like, you know, the point of adding the door was so that it would give your afterlife some measure of meaning because like Marissa saying, if you don't have, if you just are endlessly in this cycle, then like we saw what happens. They just sort of become mindless zombies who are peeing themselves, (laughs) even though uh, they don't need to. But this
0: critic, but this critic who wrote this piece would argue that that's an absurd thing to have happened. And I'm saying it's not absurd. Uh, No, no. You know what I mean? Like, and I think reasonable people can disagree on this, but for critics to say that it's just out and out absurd, that anyone would ever get bored of Infinite Paradise is like, I think you're giving the human mind way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you excuse me, I have to go listen to Savage Garden.
1: <laughs> Savage Garden? That's your deep, pick.
0: deep sea diving in a raincoat. I don't actually remember the. Ooh, don't <laughs> you want to know no, if, I, if I, I need you? you but... I. I don't. I don't know Ooh, the words. I'm
1: dying to find out. <laughs> so let me find out. <laughs> All right, you want to do emails? Savage Garden is not my pick. If you're no, dead.
0: it's not. Look, I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a Savage Garden head. I just wanted to pick something from 1998, and I think that's like a good estimate of I'm when I'm they kinda were hot. I'm kind of sad
1: high. you didn't say Savage Gardener. You oh, like
0: Savage Garden head was the wrong. You're right. I'm not a Savage Gardener. <laughs> Savage Gardener sounds like it'd be like a Henry James novel.
1: Anyway, let's get to the emails. What's that? There is a the something Gardener is a patient
0: Gardener thriller. Yeah, it's not the patient Gardener.
1: No, I'm looking at a constant constant Gardener. It's the constant Gardener. Yes. Okay, It's a John Le Carré. John Le Carré.
0: Our dad loves John Le Carré because he's a dad. (laughs) When you are a dad, you instantly get an uh, an affection for John Le Carré novels and lawnmowers. (laughs) I mean, I think the ultimate dad move would be listening to a John Le Carré audiobook while mowing the lawn. While mowing the lawn? (laughs) Yes. So the first email is the shortest. It's from Trifton. And it just says... When the tears finally dry up, Marissa can focus on getting a copy of that calendar, which, yes, it, look, if NBC.com is selling that calendar anytime soon, Brianna, you know what my birthday gift is. Oh, a hondo percent. Yes. <laughs> Just right on that. Uh, Chris sent the next email, well, the next shortest email, let's say. Hey, podcast architects, which is not a bad, not a bad moniker for nah. us. They use the words heat death of the universe so that they know the universe will end and there will be no, no no more new humans admitted into the afterlife. It also sounds like everybody gets bored and goes into the suicide booth eventually. Okay, thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we just, had we just spent a long time. Yeah, Whoops. Suicide what? booth is like that uh, Vonnegut short story to be or not to be. So, won't the good place be empty eventually? What will the architects, actors, and the judge do when there are no more humans? Just sit around and actually finish a game of Risk or something? Har har har. If they all eventually become humans or something and go into the suicide booth, will Derek be the only thing left in the universe? And maybe some Janets? Boredom was always the biggest problem I had with the concept of heaven for as long as I can remember. So, this does not come as a shock. So... I do think that, I mean, look, the the universe existed before the afterlife system existed, right? The universe has been around for, what, like 13.8 billion years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And nobody is claiming that the judge has been around that long. She's been around since
1: as long as hydrogen has been around.
0: Oh, so that is super early, actually.
1: Then why does she look
0: human? Oh, whatever. So, I mean, I guess that... I don't know, like, maybe it has to, maybe, well, okay, look, there is gonna be a heat death of the universe. (laughs) In which case, I, I think everything goes away. Will Derek be the only thing left in the universe? Let's, I guess let's talk about, let's, let's put the heat death of the universe in a box and say, like, that's not really a knowable thing for us, but. Okay. Let's say, you know, humans blow up Earth or something, which is not a completely out there concept. Humans blow up Earth. There are no more humans. Uh, there's no more sentient life in the universe. All the humans go to the the through the testing place into the good place. And eventually the humans all kind of fade away by choice. I mean, it's an open question what it means for your essence to become one with the universe when there is no more sentient life for yourself to rain down upon or really any life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But let's say that you like go into the heart of a star or something cool like that. Fine. Okay. So, yes, you are eventually going to have a situation where there are no more good place residents in which case I think that somehow they pack up shop and shut down.
1: Do I was you... thinking that too. Yeah. That they don't just all sit around. I mean, it, it Jen Judge Jen seems to kind of be a little cavalier about existence and human like whether or not there are humans to deal with she kind of doesn't care
0: (laughs) and she does when she wants to reboot everything she basically says she'll see everybody in some number of thousands or millions of years right right
1: and so i you know maybe there is a point once she's gone through all the seasons of justified and all the seasons of friday night lights and every podcast she wants to listen to like maybe there is a point at which she's just like all right let's let's pack it in if there are no new humans coming through then maybe that's it for them
0: i kind of think it is i think that if they ran out of people to haven't to like host the afterlife for then i think at that point and i don't know how that like realistically happens Derek is a whole nother question but like let's oh yeah because he's like is a singularity or whatever yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: but i think for uh for, for the architects and the actors and, and Jen and all that, I think that, well, maybe Jen is also an exception, but for the rest of them, like, it does kind of feel to me like they would be able to be decommissioned somehow. That it would be yeah. like, our, our purpose is complete. We have enacted the thing we meant to enact. There is no longer any point in us existing. Cause they're not people, right? I mean, they are, right. they are beings who, really don't exist outside of their work right we, we've sort of seen that time and again that they don't have you know these existences outside of these jobs they do so if they have no job to do i really think it is now we know that they can be made to not exist through retirement one hopes that there is something better <laughs> that they can cook up that's not so painful yeah. like the late being ladled onto hot diamonds doesn't seem like such a great outcome But I think that ultimately, they figure out a way to um, shut things down and and kind of pack everybody off into the night.
1: I agree. At least that's what I hope for anyway. Because it's the same thing with them. Like, they will at some point outlive, for lack of a better term, outlive their usefulness, right? Right. The same way that humans will. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on that same train.
0: Okay. So now I have a I have an email from the young lady who wrote us. So I think I read her iTunes review last episode, mm-hmm. but she also wrote us a very long email and it's very 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 sweet. I'm going to sort of try to read and 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 condense as I go. She's been listening to the podcast almost since the beginning, which is crazy to me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, the official podcast didn't exist, so I found you guys first and almost immediately fell in love. Oh I feel like I'm having a conversation with old friends, even though we've never met, which Aww. is, like, so great. I, great. Like, I have, I'm sure you have podcasts for whom this is the case, right? Where you're yes. like, if I could just meet this person in real life, like, I know that we would be BFFs. Like. Yes, yes. And then you're like, I probably shouldn't just, like, show up at their office, though, right? Like, that would be a, that would be a creeper move. We would not be friends after that. I, uh, I, honestly, if you ask me, like, who would you want to be stuck on a desert island with? The answer is Chris Hayes. <laughs> because I feel like, so l- let's say that there's like some time, like, okay, you're going to be stuck on a desert island with them for like two weeks or something, right? Like, I can't, I'm diabetic. I can't live on a desert island for, you know, indefinitely. Um, but let's say I have two weeks worth of insulin and we're stuck on a desert island for two weeks. Like, I feel like I could make him be my friend and that would be the outcome I would want. Like, I would want us to be like texting for the rest of our lives. Like, hey, yeah. oh my God, did you see this thing with Roger Stone? Like, OMG. And I would get front row seats to his cool, cool show. Uh, and so the fact that people might feel that way about us, I just, I love that.
1: <laughs> That's very cute.
0: Oh. <laughs> With some semblance of dignity, I beg you to keep recording episodes after, the, show's ed- after the show ends, even if it's just once a month or whenever you go see a new movie or something. Your Marvel episodes are some of my favorites. I just like to hear Marissa shout about things not making sense and Brianna, <laughs> and Brianna cackle in response. <laughs> just like what just happened? Yes. And thank you for putting into words exactly what I felt about Rise of Skywalker beat for beat. Uh, crying loudly over Chelinor is the most relatable. Thank you. Yes. did A lot of sobbing. <laughs> Um, she has some suggestions for stuff we can do in the future. Uh, Death Becomes Her, which I admit I've always wanted to see.
1: I've seen it, but I saw it a very long time ago.
0: I used to be on cable when we were little, but, like, I never actually got to see it. I just saw bits and pieces, and I've always wanted to actually sit through it. And it does have the Queen Meryl Streep in it.
1: And isn't Goldie Hawn in it, too?
0: I think so. Lots of grand dames of Hollywood. I also think it would be an interesting study to watch old episodes of Twilight Zone and compare them with the corresponding new episodes... Uh, I, I get very creeped out by that stuff. I have a very low creep factor. Anything, like, even a little bit creepy, I just, I, like, I'm not i not good with it. Like, I can't, real talk, guys, I get creeped out by the end of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I know it's not logical, I can't explain it, but the fact that they're, like, existing in this medieval universe and then all of a sudden there's modern-day cops that pull up, I get creeped out by it and I don't like it. <laughs> so, <What>? so, <laughs> I just am very sensitive. <laughs> I don't know if Twilight Zone would work for me, <sighs> but she also says, you know, like Psych, she would listen to Woo! us. Uh, psych, oh my you God, watch you're podcasts. my girl. If, yeah. <laughs> if you
1: want listen? To, you know, if I can just do like a, you know, Psych podcast, I'd be happy to do that, but.
0: She's got a, she's got an amazing fact for us about Cheers because Ooh. remember when we did the Cheers episode and we made this whole thing out of Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Tim from Toy Story wants you to know. Yes.
0: So apparently they had to add this bit in because so many people rode in, I guess to the network and complained about the laugh track being too loud. So this is their way of saying, no, 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 no. Those are real people really laughing that hard. Our show is just that funny.
1: That's really funny.
0: Is it like, like people are, that, that to me is so amazing that people were like, turn down the laughs. I can't hear the dialogue. And they're like, "Uh, what do you want us to do? Uh, it's just so <laughs> hilarious. Now <laughs> look, um, microphones are a thing and sound mixing and sound editing is a thing. <laughs> so, um, that, like, to me, that's not really an explanation because you can just turn down the audience mix. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, the actors all have lapel microphones that are picking up their dialogue. You can mix those higher and mix the audience lower, but like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so that is, that's, oh, oh, I do love Carly's PS here. Um, PS, as a Christian myself, Marissa Gets Things Wrong About Christianity is one of my favorite bits, <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, I love that someone of a different faith can hear my uh, stumbling and bumbling, but frankly, our stumbling and bumbling about other religions and just, like, accept it gracefully.
1: We definitely had an episode where we used the term regular Jesus. Regular Jesus. I still have people who listen to
0: the show like from my real life just come to me and be like, so uh, how's regular Jesus doing? I'm like, look! (laughs) It made sense in the context of the dumb Netflix movie Let It Snow. yes. Oh, I did get, I got a very long text from Gandhi. Let me see if I can dig it up. Hold on. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so Gandhi, who's an old friend of mine from college, uh, and we talked about his feedback on the Rise of Skywalker episode that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, just just heard your episode where you talk about my Star Wars comments. Sorry, you got bumped for impeachment coverage. Gandhi, that's not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid that's not acceptable. Some of the stuff I mentioned, like making your own lightsaber and the yellow sabers, comes from the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. Not sure if you've seen it, but I'd recommend it. Uh The prequel trilogy was a mess in so many ways, but the animated series is really quite the opposite. It makes sense of that era in the Star Wars universe.
1: I've heard, I've it's heard very good.
0: Yes, I've heard that too. A lot of people, and it's a, kind of an older show, right? I mean, I think it existed about 10 years ago, if, if yeah. my memory serves. Yeah. So, um I mean, I just don't think I have the heart to watch it.
1: I, like it's a, I don't, it's a commitment because it's a television show
0: it's a, well it's, it's not even about that for me though it's like I, I think we've probably gotten into this on some of the Star Wars episodes maybe but you know we really imprinted on the original trilogy yeah. like really really hardcore when I was a kid and watching those original trilogy movies I had backstory in my head and the prequels kind of knocked that backstory all to bits but I still kind of have a little bit of it sort of extant in my mind to some degree. And I really worry that watching a Clone Wars TV show would just kind of, you know, stomp on the rubble of what I had. I mean, I, it's like, so, you know, I, I love the Harry, I know you've never read Harry Potter, but I loved the Harry Potter books, you know, and the first, I think three books came out before the first movie ever came out. And I remember going to see the movie. And while it was a good experience for me seeing the movie at the same time, I had this like very vivid imagination of the books that ki- the movie kind of killed because like, and this might just be like my own like impairment here, but I can't really hold multiple versions of a fi- of like a, of a fictional universe in my head at the same time. So I kind of worry if I watched clone wars that whatever I had left of my sort of star Wars imaginings would just like bite the dust.
1: It's why I only saw solo one time. <laughs> so hmm. that I can maintain my head canon about Han
0: Zolo, <laughs> okay, so for you, and certainly like and 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 as far as Harry Potter goes, you know they they did that whole two part play that was supposed to be a sequel to it, which is look, I haven't seen the play, I've heard that the play has some really great like visual effects, but like having read the script to the play, it is a miserable, miserable experience as someone who loved that universe to kind of read that this is like. The quote unquote official thing that like happens 20 years later or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's something where like, I own that book and it's on my shelf. And also when my kids get old enough that they're going to read Harry Potter, I'm going to tell them don't ever pick that book up. Like, cause you, you can have this whole like sort of like crystal cathedral in your head of like all these characters who have this really real sense for you of, of, of being alive in, in, in a world. And I would argue that the same is true for the good place for us. But like I was uh, these... gonna say how
1: lucky we are that like yes. we have these four seasons and things wrapped up so nicely and like that's sort of it.
0: Yes. And you but know? and we can have headcanon about what it's like for Michael on Earth, and what it's like for Michael when he comes back to the good place and Janet and Tahani and all that. Um but we're never Mike sure is never gonna 10, 20 years down the line make like a two night play about how Michael, when he goes back to Earth, has a secret baby with somebody <laughs> who, this is like the real thing of what happens in the Harry Potter basically. Oh, <laughs> like, yikes. Yes. And like how Michael's gonna have a secret baby on Earth and that baby is gonna rise up to start a new bad place or something equally stupid like they're they are going to respect the art to the degree that that's not going to happen right also there's not as much money in it as there is like that's true like it really breaks my heart when a creator creates this amazing like space for us to play in and then kind of tramples all over the edges of it with additional media and for me that's what the clone wars series kind of is always going to feel like to me so i just don't see myself watching it but certainly if it gives people pleasure then you know that's great
1: yeah well and george lucas once made the point that like star wars fandom is sort of generational like there are people who Mm -hmm. only know or like whose whose entry point is the original trilogy which is us and our parents and then there are people for whom Clone Wars is not this additional thing. It is part of their entryway into Star Wars. But those mm. people are 10, 15 years younger than us.
0: And so, therefore, worthless. They're worthless people.
1: <laughs> they just have a different experience. But, like, I know... Oh, gosh, he must be, like, a teenager now, which is kind of crazy. But I, I knew a kid, you know, years ago who... His first introduction to the characters of Star Wars, so not the story, but the characters of Star Wars was playing um, Star Wars Angry Birds.
0: Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say Lego Star Wars, but this is worse.
1: Star Wars Angry Birds, and then he watched the original trilogy. I've told this story before that I convinced his stepdad that he should watch the original trilogy first. But yeah, so for some people, like their entryway is... Uh, Clone Wars and now there's Star Wars Rebels which would be like it's another animated series but that would right. be an entry point for other people who are younger than us and maybe a little less salty than us
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're terrible
1: yeah all right
0: it's getting late
1: yeah uh, um, we have no idea
0: I mean I think we our aim is maybe to come back in two weeks do so you want to maybe try to do so Brianna just watched Spider- man Homecoming. And I think maybe in two or three, in the next, in the course of two or three weeks, I can contrive to watch Spider-Man Homecoming. So maybe we can do that next time. Sure. Yeah. Um, or we can see if we can find Death Becomes Her. That would be um, actually
1: pretty great. We had also talked about doing the To All the Boys sequel. Because we yes. had done that. When is that coming out? It's already out. Oh, it's out. Okay, Yeah, great. yeah. It came out for Valentine's Day.
0: Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe that's what we'll do next time. So we've got a couple things sort of in the hopper, in our mental hopper. But certainly... You know, if any of y'all have any ideas, just throw them at us because we are definitely sort of adrift on a sea of sadness. <laughs> we
1: are, and because you get so easily creeped out, I'm not going to um, recommend the new show that I was going to recommend. What? What's that? Briar Patch. It's a murder mystery. On nope. Yeah.
0: <sighs> nope, nope. 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 A
1: nope. little sister dies, uh, and no! a big sister. No. Nope, she, no. Nope. She's an nope. adult. Nope. But the older sister goes back to investigate her murder. Nope. No, not nope. interested. Anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, until next time, don't burn your hands on a microwave meal.
1: We'll see you at some ding dogs. <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, on Devon's door. Knock, knock, Sorry, there are people running through the hallway, so I'm just going to let them.
0: You hear them? I, I Oh, I absolutely hear them.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's children running down the hall. Damn um, children! <laughs> it's late. Uh, I guess they don't have school tomorrow.
0: That's probably oh, yeah. why they're mm-hmm. on
1: winter break this week. Um, winter break? It's yeah, February. New York City schools have winter break this week. Huh. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Youths! It's youths!
1: <laughs> You're making the most amount of noise humanly possible <laughs> from the hallway.